live in a world that struggles with feeling busy and overwhelmed. At the same time, us mamas want to feel we're living intentionally and with purpose. At the end of the day, you won't have to sit worn out on the couch feeling like it all just wasn't enough. Here, you'll find the tools to slow it down, nurture your own goals, and live restored. Each week, we have real-life conversations about motherhood, work, relationships, and all the things in between. I'm your host, Jen Brazil. Welcome to the Unhurried Life Podcast. Hi, friend, and welcome to the Unhurried Life Podcast, episode number 17 with Quinn Kelly. Quinn is a beautiful mama of four boys who married a man that first proposed to her in her sixth grade yearbook. Yeah, adorable. She is a woman that follows her dreams and does a wonderful job of including her family and friends in those dreams. As a family marriage therapist that started the beautifully named Sanctification and Spit Up blog, she certainly has an important message that she's pouring into ladies just like you. I'm excited to let you in on our sweet little conversation. Here we go. Hey, Quinn. I'm so glad you're here. Well, thank you for having me. I am very grateful. Yeah. So, okay. I want to know a little bit more about you and kind of what you're doing right now in life and what you've been doing. And of course, I want to hear all about your conference. Well, I am a wife. I've been married um, to my hubby. We met in sixth grade. He proposed in sixth grade. That's a funny story um, in our yearbook. Um, So I've been with him. um, Wait, he proposed in your yearbook? He absolutely proposed in the yearbook. He um, said something um, that said, will you marry me in 10 years? And then ironically, of course, we were not dating for that period of time. But ironically, we got married 10 years after that. So it was pretty cute. Um, But yeah, I've been married to him. That's adorable. That's not cute. That's adorable. It's so adorable. Um, It's a pretty fun, amazing um, faith love story for sure. But um, we've been married for 14 years and we live in Houston, Texas. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. However, the main way I'm using that currently is through um, my writing and speaking and podcast and these conferences I do. And then I also, um, I am a mother to four little boys. So anyway, that keeps my life pretty busy day to day. I always like to kid and say, Our house at all times is sort of a combination of like a circus and a football game. So it's pretty active, but I love it. (laughs) Oh, well, they sound adorable. And I can't believe four boys. Did you ever want boys or was was your heart's desire a little bit more to have girls? I kind of just thought I'd have a mix. That was kind of a strange thing with me. The Lord from a very early age. I don't know. I was just born very passionate about little boys and prayed for them. So it was very much an answer to prayer for me. I will say the fourth little boy we had, he was a surprise just in general. We did not think we were having four children. And so um, I did kind of wonder, wait, is this going to be a girl? But um, nope, he was a boy. So we're, yeah, we, we love it. Um, But it is, it is quite, it is quite a, a masculine house. That's for sure. Okay. So tell me a little bit about your conference, because I just love the story about how it started off. And I think it's really incredible. Okay. Well, you are so sweet. I'd love to share. Um, I will say kind of just context of me and the way the Lord has directed my ministry. I think he knows my heart that I tend to be pretty 
especially in school back in the day, really ambitious and very much an achiever and can kind of fall into some perfectionism. And so my ministry has honestly almost been the opposite of that. It's been one little step at a time of feeling like he's kind of called me to something that feels relatively safe or at least, you know, not too intimidating. And then it's grown from there. So basically I was a journalism major in college, um, and was got a degree in PR. So I love to write. And then I very shortly after that felt called to, um, become a marriage and family therapist and sort of as a combination of those two things early on in my motherhood years, I started this blog called sanctification and spit up. And basically, Sanctification and Spit Up was this place where I sort of processed my um, just trials as a mother and made sense of it with my faith. And it, it was sort of my outlet that allowed me to encourage others. Well, slowly but surely over the years, that blog grew and led to some speaking opportunities where people would ask me to come and kind of speak on motherhood and therapy or Uh, marriage, you know, those sorts of things. And one day I was sitting at a um, conference, actually the if gathering, you've heard of that, right? Yeah. I was sitting at the if gathering and some people were kind of sharing with me um, about something I had written on my blog. And I really strongly felt just this overwhelming sense from, um, just kind of the Lord that I was supposed to go and kind of organize my own conference and bring women together. That's kind of what I left that day feeling that I was supposed to gather women and that I was supposed to kind of feel confident that, that, that I, that I could pull that off, you know? So I went home that day and I wrote it all in my journal and I wrote down everything I felt. And then immediately I felt very intimidated. Like, who am I? I'm just a girl with a blog. I'm, I'm not working for a church. I don't have some business or LLC or anything like that. I'm just a girl who writes that happens to be a therapist and a mom. And um, anyway, the Lord just kind of provided provided one person after another, seven days of it, of just people kind of reaching out to me um, that encouraged me to feel like, you know what, I should listen to the Lord. So from that, the Renew Women's Faith Conference was birthed. And basically, it is a conference series. We're going to do one every year, one to two. We've already had two. Um, But it's a place where we bring in um, women from all different denominations. And that's really very important to me that it's not just one church, but it's for all women. And we bring in different speakers and have worship and that it's a place of renewal um, of your mind. So as a therapist, um, I just always think it's important that we have kind of a driving force behind those conferences, a thought process of what the Lord's wanting us to focus on that year. And so it's always, um, you know, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that is what renew is. Um, and I'm excited for this year's conference. We're going to have this spring in, um, 2020. Hey, I wanted to interrupt myself real fast to let you in on a little something that I've got just for you. Do you ever struggle with scatterbrain? or feeling like you're bouncing around between this and that and never really getting much of anything done? Well, I know I sure have, but I've also learned to catch myself and switch gears to effective productivity. And I wanna give you the tools to do the same. I've got for you the best cheat sheet to finding your focus. Head over to jbrazil.com focus 
so you can grab it. Time to stop the endless multitasking, air quotes, and actually knock your to-do list out. Again, it's jbrazil.com slash focus. Now back to our chat. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit more about renewal of friendships because you said that this conference is meant to bring women together in relationships. And I feel like right now there's such a struggle. Maybe this is just a personal struggle, but I feel like it's a struggle to really connect well and have healthy women relationships right now. I mean, can you talk about any of that? Does that is is that something anybody else struggles with besides me? <laughs> oh my goodness, no. I think that's probably one of the most relevant subjects for women and things that matters to all of us. And, you know, motherhood is one of those things that is so beautiful for so many reasons. But in many ways, I do feel like it can kind of isolate us a bit. We can connect with other moms at playdates, you know, um, and those sorts of things. But do you kind of feel, I mean, I'll, I guess I'll challenge you for a second just to ask you, do you kind of feel like your your um, motherhood sort of keeps you at home a bit more than maybe the freedom you would have otherwise? Yeah, I feel like, to be completely honest, I feel like the way I am wired as an entrepreneur and a mom, that's not everybody is wired like that. And so it's harder to connect. Yes. Because it's like you're either a mom or you work. It's hard to do. It's hard to marry those. You know what I mean? Have you ever struggled with that? Oh, my gosh. No, I struggle with it all the time. And I was just thinking that today that I have. So I have three days a week where I focus on work. But it's also my time where I can connect with my friends. And honestly, I'll be honest with you, since my ministry has grown and I've had to be a lot more disciplined with my time to um, accomplish the things that I've committed to, it has made it harder to have time for the women that mean the most to me. And I was just thinking today, I truly had a conflict of interest where I was like, should I go ahead and email these people back and get some of this business done? Or should I go invite my friend to go get our toes done together? Because I totally miss her, but I feel that it is hard to accomplish all of it. And, you know, I think it, you are right though, what you're doing and somewhat what, what I'm doing, where we're kind of trying to combine our home as our office place with ministry or business or whatever it is, it does make it a little harder to have a start and a stop to it. If you, you know, do you agree? Do you feel like that's kind of your struggle? Cause you can oh, yeah. have at all times work. Um, but for me, I think you do have to set those boundaries. You kind of do have to always think I do have office hours and there's times where I just need to not respond and I do need to turn it off, walk outside, go connect with my neighbor next door, or before I do this business related thing, go grab coffee and a donut or whatever, a bagel with my friend and be intentional about that. Because for me, those relationships are what feed me. And then that allows me to have something to pour into others. Yeah, I think that is probably key. Realizing that you have to be filled in order to pour. Absolutely. And motherhood is one of those things where I think we get very accustomed to pouring and pouring and pouring. And we kind of forget what it is to be filled. 
And you know, that phrase, you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't, you know, and if you don't, if, if you don't have those intentional things you do, you can end up where you think I'm not really finding my joy in these things that I'm trying to do. And I think friendship, we are created for connection and friendship is certainly one of those areas that, that we need as mothers, as women, you know, just in all areas of our life. So tell me how you create and set up those boundaries for your relationships? Well, I'll tell you, you know what, what I will say, and I'll just be honest, my phone, social media, text can take me off on a rabbit trail of distraction so easily, right? So let's say um, I, for instance, today, this is what I have to do. I am still a good old fashioned girl that fully believes in list. <laughs> and I will always start my day, especially on business day with like the things I know are most important that I feel I need to get done. And you better believe I leave a big circle next to the list of checking it off. And that helps me prioritize what I feel like is most important. And what I always think about is this. If I have some free time that I have been allowed to get this stuff done, I want to make sure to be good about using it so that when my kids are home or when there is time to connect or go to a Bible study or be with women or friends or go on a run, whatever it is um, with these women, that I've used my time wisely. And for me, that involves not keeping my phone in my hands. Do you struggle with that? I mean, that for me, it's like, cause I'll get a hundred texts. Well, so technology and I have a weird relationship. Um, I like to be disconnected from the whole wide world. That's wonderful. <laughs> Which isn't, well, it's not always wonderful when you have people that, you know, you need to get back to sooner rather than later. The only thing I wish I could do differently with my phone is somehow try and filter it, which I'm sure Apple's made a way to do that. But I, from 8 to 8, like I don't have my phone with me, so 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., so I don't ever check it, which kind of drives my husband insane sometimes because some mornings he'll leave and he'll need to tell me something or whatever, and I'm up and I'm around, but I'm my phone's on silent charging in the kitchen. I don't sleep with it next to me. Well, one thing that I do just think is key for all of us, we should have times where our phone is not in our pocket or next to us. I mean, that's yeah. just a discipline we all need. You know, back in the day, I'm 36. Um, back in the day, you know, we lived without these things connected to us. And I think they are, you want to talk about an unhurried life. Um, you know, it gives us a sense of urgency and rush constantly. You get a text and you feel like you have to respond that that is the most important thing then. And it may feel urgent, but it's certainly not the most important. You know, yeah. and so often these lists for me, just the good old fashioned list, help me kind of lay out what is it that is important that at the end of the day, when my kids are back home with me, I'm going to feel like I accomplished what I needed to get done and had the discipline to not sit and text with a friend if that's not what I needed to do. Um, so that when the work time is over, I have um, the the ability to connect with the people that are in front of me, be it, like I said, my friends or my kids. But I think um, you are awesome that you already have boundaries. But that would be one of my main recommendations is that let your productive time be productive fully so you can get more done. Our phones slow us down by constantly responding to one text or another. Oh, yeah. And distract us. I mean, it takes my brain down so many different rabbit holes. But you know what's ironic as a lot of my friends equate my slower response to that I'm busy (laughs) 
And I'm like, actually, it's kind of the opposite. Like, I just don't have my phone with me. It's just not sitting there in my pocket or in my hand when I'm hanging out with my kids or with my friends or my husband. And so I don't I check it, you know, a couple times a day, but I'm, I'm a lot slower to respond. I don't have 87 unread messages. You know, I'll read and respond, but it's not immediate. So people equate that with being busy. But I'm like, I'm truly not busy. I'm just I'm just not. That's not a priority. I'm so sorry. That is amazing. Can I just say I want to channel the inner <laughs> Jen and not be like that? I I feel like we get so much more out of life <laughs> when we are just present with where we are. And not only that, this is the irony of it. We get more done when we are where we are and we're not trying to be somewhere else. And then we have more time and energy left to give in different places. I really think what drains us and what allows us to not be as good of a friend when we're standing with our friends is that our mind is elsewhere because we're checking and we're thinking, oh, that person just texted and asked me for this. They messaged me this. Now I need to respond to this. I better make sure to do this. Your child's talking to you and your mind's somewhere else. And um, that's really what is making us, you know, be able to get less done. So again, kudos to you. Let's tap into your family and marriage therapy roots and say how besides women friendships, besides relationships with other women, how would you say is a good way to renew and restore your marriage relationship, especially when you're trying to be a good friend, you're trying to be a good mom, you are trying to run a business, you're trying to do all of these things. How do you restore and renew your marriage? I do think marriage is one of those things that easily, if we are not careful, can fall to the back burner of life. Because many of us know that there's these other things like our children, or like we kind of just talked about our business, that seem more pressing and urgent. And your husband may not be the one or even your friends, kind of back to the friendship thing, that are demanding you and asking for you like other things are. Yet that does not make it something that shouldn't be the most important. And, you know, I think most of us have heard this and know this, but I'm going to just say this as a therapist, the healthiest thing your children can see actually just like within your parenting is to see that their parents prioritize their marriage. You know, I think a lot of times we think to be good parents, we need to first pour into our kids because that shows the kids we love them. And then, you know, our marriage can come second and it's really the opposite. They feel most loved by seeing the fact that their parents are connected and engaged with one another. So I've had a really big wake up call in the last few years of our marriage. And I'll just be honest that I kind of did what I'm sort of speaking to that my husband and I naturally were kind of best friends. We've always had a good relationship. We haven't had to try super hard over the years. It wasn't like a huge struggle to connect with each other. And so therefore, we weren't very good about being intentional. Does that make sense? Because it was easy already. It was easy. And so we hadn't built in habits of intentionality. And somewhere between, I think, my ministry and kind of... um whatever business ministry growing and feeling kind of pulled to pour into that as well as having our four children 
Um, certainly the fourth was quite the, you know, the icing on the cake there and having our kids in activities and then, um, just everything else that comes with life, his job, he's traveling now. My husband's traveling a lot. Um, we struggled, began struggling more in our marriage than we ever had. And, what we realized was, and what I realized really primarily was I wasn't doing a very good job of being intentional in seeking out connection time with him. And that really was taking a toll on everything else. And so I think one of the main things you can do to renew your marriage, and I guess you're going to kind of hear a theme with everything I'm saying, but I am very big into intentionality and being proactive versus reactive, that you don't respond to something once it's gone bad, but you take steps ahead of time to stay on top of the things that you know are the most important, you know? Um, And so being intentional about time alone, dates, even for a mom, you know, I'm sorry, I'm kind of skipping. You asked me about marriage, but back to friendships, schedule a once a night, uh, a once a month night that, you know, you got to dinner with your friends. Don't wait until you feel like I haven't talked with anybody in forever before you schedule something, make it where it's there before you are desperate for it. Does that make sense? Yes. Well, and you could do that with your marriage, too. Say, that's what I was going to say. Same with your marriage. I mean, I used to kind of laugh and be like, why do people always say dates are so important? But dates are so important. And even if the date means your kids are all in bed, you know, and you go out on your front porch and you sit and chat with each other and you're just intentional about being together. You know, it doesn't have to be something necessarily that involves money, but being intentional about connection, not having your phone with you, um, doing something together. I just think it feeds everybody's, you know, heart and allows that marriage to stay at the forefront intentionality with sweet text. You know, there's just so much. The things that you used to do that brought you together, that should still be a part of your marriage, you know? And it's so easy to stop those things. Okay, so ironically right now, we are like mentor couples for engaged, a group of engaged couples. And so that's our our normal date night. So we're at the point now where I'm sort of like, okay, I... I need an additional date night because I want to just talk to you. There's so many things I need to talk to you about. And it dawned on me, what do people do who don't have these days set aside? Because it's so, it's like just so easy to stay surface level with your spouse, which is not a great healthy place. No, absolutely. And you know, it's funny. It's funny you say that. My husband and I really don't prefer group date nights. We love it. So we're in a small group with a lot of different couples and we'll all go places together. But I'm very extroverted. He's very introverted. And in a crowd situation like that, we will leave and have been dating the whole night and not have talked to each other, right? We may be sitting next to each other at dinner, but I'm sitting and talking with the girls and he's talking with the guys and we have just found that's not super beneficial. So we really do try and seek out, like you said, that alone time. Like that's amazing that you guys are mentoring for those other couples. <laughs> but like you said, for your own marriage, it may not be enough for that connection. Oh, for sure. There is a, a great way, you know, you can also have a series of questions Um, that you ask each other, 
you do that once a week and, you know, just a, um, an easy way to kind of connect with each other where you just make that a practice every, whatever, you know, Saturday night, you ask each other these things, you know, what's on your heart? Is anything bothering you? How can I encourage you right now? And you ask questions that are more deep. There's a marital researcher. His name's Dr. John Gottman. He calls the once a week meeting a state of the union, but that's really just where you, you, you make sure you're aware of the inner worlds of your partner. And I really, really do believe in those conversations, just making sure that you have gone deeper than surface because it's easy to be together all day, like on a Saturday. And the main thing you've talked about is like, did you feed them a snack? Okay, grab the diaper. Okay, now um, what are we having for dinner? Let's defrost the meat, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah, and I think that could carry over into friendships as well. Well, you know, something that I think is important and that um, that I think we just, you, you'll find if you practice it. If you start asking people about them, they will want to pour out. I mean, it is just natural. If you ask a few probing questions, just like, you know, has it, you know, you know, something like, Oh, I know that he left. Was that stressful for you? And he left. How is it? Were you able to manage everything? If you just start asking your friends about, um, what's going on, they do easily want to pour out. And sometimes it just takes a listening ear and you will end up going so deep with each other because you're able to connect on that level. Um, certainly vulnerability, you know, another thing, just connection with friends. And this is something I use my writing for, but this certainly works person to person. If you're struggling and reaching out to a friend, one of one of my very best friends, my favorite thing about her is she's so vulnerable. She'll send a text or she'll say something where she's like, I'm having such a hard time with this. And it elicits vulnerability in return. And I think one thing I would say to a mom that's feeling like she needs connection, be vulnerable. You will be shocked at how much that will bring out the women in your life who want to encourage and um, build you up. If they, if they know you're struggling, women relate to that and they want to be there for you. Well, and I'm going to be real bold here. If you are vulnerable, because this is something I've, I've just recently experienced. It was a big eye opener. If you are vulnerable and the people around you, there's some of them that aren't responding in a way that's probably appropriate. It's okay to say, this is probably not going to be one of my inner circle friends. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think the thing is kind of what you're saying is, I think you hit this certain point in life where you go, I don't have time for a hundred friendships anymore. I just don't. There's too much that's pulling at me. And I really, I want to say that too. I want to speak into that for a second. I want to empower women to know you don't have to have time for 50 friends or 20 friends. If you are like, what is wrong with me? I'm really only good at being close to two people or three people. Then more power to you, sweet girl. And if your neighbor next door is good and she can be close to 15 people, well, way to go. But we, that doesn't mean that you're not a good friend. It just means we all have different, you know, capacities of what we can pour into people. And we don't all need that many people to be close to. But absolutely, I don't think we want to waste our time with friends if, if I can't go to a friend and say, oh my gosh, I am feeling so discouraged about this parenting issue. I cannot tell you. And I feel like they meet me with like a, oh, well, that's not that big of a deal, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like that. It's like, you know what? That's not really the friendship that I, I, 
I do need. And the truth of it is, it doesn't make them bad. It just means that there may be another friendship that's going to build me up more that I can build that person up more. And Mm -hmm. and it's okay, like you said, to feel empowered to set that boundary. Yeah. And that's, it's so funny that you use that as an example, because that's like the example that I had. I'm struggling with disciplining one of my kids and I've talked to a couple friends about it and they're just like, oh, it's fine. You know, and that's just, I mean, that if I could give a tidbit to anybody, that response, we, it's just never helpful. I think what we think we're doing is we're encouraging someone, right? Like, oh, you're good. No big deal. Or don't worry. But that always makes me feel so um, like my feelings, like you've taken, I've been vulnerable and I've handed you something that's so important to me and you've just kind of shoved it aside. And so I think it's really important. Even if you do in the back of your mind, you're thinking this really isn't life or death. Like it's going to be okay to always first acknowledge. I get that that is so stressful. And let me tell you, it does feel stressful when they're, you know, not sleeping through the night, whatever. Let's just, you know, throw something out there, but to say, but I do want to give you encouragement. I've been there and, you know, I've been able to move through it. There is hope on the other side, at least acknowledging, you know, I get, I'm so sorry you're hurting and it's stressful. That is definitely the place to start versus, Oh, you're, you're good. You'll be good. Don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. It just doesn't make you feel like a very safe friend. Yeah. I have so many more things I want to say, but I don't want to go down a rabbit trail. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to leave that right there. And let me ask you, how do you slow down and how do you live a life that incorporates rest and restoration, your message is renewal. So renewal, are there specific things that you do throughout the day or week? Um, I can't say that I have a specific routine physically. Um, although I, I guess for me, it's a mindset and basically, I mean, it's biblical, but it kind of comes back to the podcast theme, um, and renewal and all of that. But anything where you're really falling into the culture around you of what the world is telling you to do is likely going to be something that's draining you. So there's so many messages that if you are not careful to slow down and think, what is it that I am feeling that it's like making me feel so much pressure? If you cannot take time to identify it, you'll fall into believing it, right? And so many of those messages are just complete lies. They're just, it's not true. So one thing I want to say that kind of helps me live an unhurried life sort of alludes back to right what we just discussed. Social media can do something strange to you. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love social media. It's where my ministry has grown. So hear me say that, right? But as part of that, you know, I have, you know, thousand, a thousand over a thousand friends on Facebook and, you know, thousands on Instagram and all that. You see their life and in your head, that makes you think I'm relatively close to this person. I know what they did last weekend. I know this, blah, blah, blah. And it makes you feel, sometimes I feel I need to, I need to have reached out to them. Oh, I, I should, I should make sure that I, you know, go to coffee with them. Oh wait, I wasn't a part of that thing they did. Uh, and you're seeing all these things that can make you feel hurried. Like, oh, that fundraiser, that girls night, that dinner, I'm connected with all these people yet I'm falling short. And it makes me internally feel stressed and hurried. And kind of what we just talked about, I just have to remind myself, it is okay to only have so much to give. And we all have different limits. Honestly, as social and extroverted as I'm, as I am, I cannot pour too much into 
too many social events or I don't have enough for my four kids. And um, I want to have a balance of both. But like I told, kind of told you earlier, I realized my own limit of being unhurried where I say no to social things more than a few of my friends do. And I have to be more selective. And I used to feel guilty about that or like, why can I not keep up? Or, you know, you're so great. You you've had lunch with three people this week and I've only, you know, whatever, been with my kids and my husband. I think we have to embrace who God's created us to be and just rest in that, that we all have different capabilities and we don't need to be trying to strive to be somebody else. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That's so refreshing to hear. (laughs) Yes. Well, good. Because just so often you look at all these other people and the things they're doing and you think I should be doing that, but you kind of need to back up and say, but should I be doing that? Is that what I need to be doing? Or is this just what I see other people doing and feeling the pressure of the world to be doing those things? Well, and I live in Texas and I'm from Kansas and I don't know if it just happens to be where I live in Texas or um, if it's just a Texan thing in general or what, but the Texans here are the most friendly social people I've ever met. I live in a supercharged social neighborhood. I mean, people hang out constantly. They have friend groups upon friend groups upon friend groups. They do stuff on Thursday night and Friday night and Saturday night and Sunday night. They're just social, awesome people. And I sometimes have to step back and be like, I just can't pull it all off. I can't do all that and keep up with everything else. And I, for me, have to always kind of come back to you. What am I most called to? Well, I'm first called to my relationship with Jesus, but then my husband, my marriage and my kids. And then next comes the other things. And I just, I, I am not wired the same where I can manage all that and still be who I feel like I'm called to be in my own house. And so, um, my kids are more of a priority to me than having five social groups. You know, whereas maybe one day when they're all away from the home, I'll have so much excess time. I will be able to connect with all those people. But I just have to rest, like I said, that the Lord, he's given me who I need. Um, And and just to be okay to remember that just because I feel kind of close to all these people, I don't have to social media it really works against us that way (laughs) where you're like, Oh, I should have been a part of that. And I wasn't. And you just can't do that. You're like, if social media wasn't there, you'd never know about any of those things. And you wouldn't care. You'd feel so much more like, okay to be in your own lane. Yeah, that's so true. Okay. So right now it's the weather is slightly cooler. What are you loving right now? And it doesn't have to have it doesn't have to do with the weather, but what what is Quinn loving right now? Um, I am loving wearing um, my new mom jeans that, <laughs> that are not shorts. Um, I do love clothing. I will not lie. Um, I love clothing. I love just like having fun with clothes. And um, I do always love, um, this is a weird, strange fact about me, but anytime it's a cool day, I will always have a pair of slippers on in my house. I love them. (laughs) If, um, if you've never worn slippers, I highly recommend them. (laughs) I also can't lie. I'm a total coffee addict and love warm drinks. So those are, but that, I guess that's nothing that's new and trendy. That's just what I, um, I love when she is just full of so much wisdom. I love her comment about being proactive instead of reactive when it comes to prioritizing your marriage. And that same concept can 
basically be applied in your entire life. Can I get an amen? Next week on The Unhurried Life, we'll be chatting, just the two of us, as I pour into you all the ways you can make your life look different than the rest of the world in order to live different. When your mama said, just because everyone else is jumping off a bridge doesn't mean you have to, she was actually giving you pretty sound advice, and I can't wait to share with you the why. To make sure you don't miss that solo episode, hit subscribe, and if you could scroll down and leave a little review, this is the biggest help when it comes to leading others to the show, as well as giving me a little direction. Your review helps me know what you're loving and what you want more of. I could not appreciate it more. Until next week, I will see you over on Instagram.